Well, hello there, everybody. How are you doing today, you happy innovators? I'm doing pretty good. I'm sitting here with my deck of oblique strategy cards from Brian Eno, the famous record producer and musician. And uh, in case you don't know what oblique strategy cards are, uh, I'll let you know. They're kind of like this interesting thing that this artist, Brian Eno, had come up with a while back, probably back in the 70s, I think. And um, basically what they are, are a set of cards. And on each card, there is a suggestion written down on each card. And what they're meant for is for artists and musicians and uh, really basically anybody doing anything, but really they're designed for musicians in the recording environment, um, you know, producing new music. And they just have these suggestions on these cards, like when you come to an impasse or you have writer's block or, you know, something that's impeding the progress of the recording process, okay? So, for example, let's say you're in the studio and, you know, you reach a dead end with a song that you're working on. You can grab your oblique strategy cards from Brian Eno and uh, I'll read you a couple of them. So uh, this one here says, remember those quiet evenings. Interesting thing to say. <laughs> Here's another one. Always first steps. Good bit of advice, especially when you're stuck, you know, you can't figure out what to do next. Here's another one. Go outside and shut the door. Hmm. Let's see. Here's another one. Feedback recordings into an acoustic situation. Question the heroic approach. It's pretty cool. I like these all, actually. Listen in total darkness or in a very large room, very quietly. I like that one a lot. It's probably my favorite one so far. And one more for you musicians who are stuck on something. Uh, you, you know, you've reached the end of the line. You can't think of what to do next. Grab your card and here's what it says. Emphasize the flaws. Hmm. Now these cards were made by a genius. Yep, a genius. As far as I'm concerned and as far as a lot of people are concerned, Brian Eno is a genius. Certifiable. And uh, that brings me to the subject that I want to talk about today. It's this thing called mastery. Okay, and uh, what is mastery? Well, we're going to find out because I'm going to grab my handy dandy new Oxford American Dictionary. And I'm going to read you the definition of mastery. Mastery spelled M-A-S-T-E-R-Y. It's a noun. A comprehensive knowledge or skill in a subject or accomplishment. The action or process of mastering a subject 
or accomplishment. And that's exactly what I want to be talking about today. Now, as far as I'm concerned, mastery is something that we should all be striving towards, regardless of what we're doing with our time, you know, creatively or what we do as a job or occupation. You know, we should be striving for mastery in really all of the things that we do, right? And I suppose that it's appropriate that I started with Brian Eno um, because you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's a prime example, at least to me, of someone who has a mastery of what they do. I mean, he's a multi-instrumentalist. He's a very famous and successful record producer. He was a performer in a very successful and legendary band, Roxy Music. Um, he has gone on to innovate new technologies with music production and such like. Um, and he's still going, you know, he's also gone into visual arts and video art and sculpture. And, you know, he's responsible for starting whole genres of music by himself. You know, we're talking about a man who has a mastery of this thing we call music, or even more so like the music industry, or even beyond that even, like music and art. Okay, this guy has a command of these mediums and he knows all the nuts and bolts. He knows everything about music production. He knows everything about the music industry and how it works. He knows uh, all there is to know about writing great songs and producing great songs, having produced bands like U2 and Coldplay, you know, and um, I've always had a spot in my heart for Brian, you know, not just because he was a great producer and he produced, you know, some of my favorite groups and some of my favorite songs, but I admire Brian Eno a lot because of the way that he thinks and the way that he talks. And I want to be someone like that, you know, when it comes to this whole music game, you know, this whole thing, I want to be somebody who has a mastery of the situation. Now, trust me, I'm far, far from that. Okay. But that doesn't mean that I can't strive for that. Right. And, uh, I put a lot of stock in Brian Eno and his opinions and his influence on me has been immeasurable as it has been for many, many other musicians. And, you know, these oblique strategy cards that I'm holding in my hand right now and reading, you know, they're just another example of how spectacular of a thinker this guy, Brian Eno, is. I mean, to come up with this stack of cards, something so simple, really, but um, something designed intellectually to break your writer's block or to, you know, get you beyond that roadblock that you're stuck at when you're in the middle of a creative process. I mean, just to be clever enough to even be thinking on that level like he was and has and does and will is, you know, 
yet another example of just the mastery this guy has uh, over his craft and what he's doing. Okay. Um, and, you know, I could talk all day about Brian Eno, but I won't do that. What I am going to do, though, is move on to someone else. And this is the person who actually inspired this podcast. Okay. Somebody that you may or may not be familiar with. Okay. But um, he's actually the coach of a very successful sports team here in the United States. And his name is Bill Belichick. He's the head coach of a football team in the National Football League called the New England Patriots. That's the team that represents the city that I'm from. Okay. And the Patriots are currently the world champions. Okay. They won the Super Bowl this past football season. And, you know, just this past weekend, the 2019-2020 football season got underway officially with the opening game. And, uh, you know, of course, the Patriots came out onto the field with Bill Belichick as their coach, and they just annihilated the other team. I mean, they just take a team, you know, that is, you know, stocked full of professional athletes who train every day with a head coach of their own, you know, who wouldn't be there if he wasn't qualified to be there. And, you know, they want to win just as bad as the Patriots do. But you know what? They all come out on the field. They do their thing. And when the dust settles, the Patriots are on top. And I've been watching this happen for the past six years, you know, just season after season of the New England Patriots going number one in their division, you know, winning and going to the Super Bowl, the final championship. And, you know, they don't always win the Super Bowl, okay? But they usually go to the Super Bowl and they usually win, okay? They lost twice in the past six years. So six years of championship play, right? And four out of those six, they took the cake. They went all the way, right? And there's a lot of people who are predicting that this year they're going to do the same thing again. And I would like to say at this point, I would agree that the Patriots, even though they are the current world champions, even though they kicked major ass in the Super Bowl last year, they're an even better team this year as if that were possible, but it is. And I know that a lot of people who are listening to this podcast probably either don't really know much about American football or they don't really care about American football. And I understand that. Um, but I really wanted to talk about it today, not because of the sports angle. Okay. I wanted to talk about it because it's a great example of this thing I was talking about, this mastery. So I'm kind of hoping that as you're listening to this podcast, you'll kind of understand that I'm not really talking about sports. I don't want to talk about statistics and what team I think is going to win or what outcome there will be for the Patriots at the end of the season. That's not really what I want to talk about. But what I do really want to talk about is this idea of mastery. Okay. Now, this coach from the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, in my opinion, 
is a great example of someone who has a mastery over, in this case, the game of NFL football here in America. Okay. Um, now, a lot of people would attribute the success, and that's an understatement, really, that word success with the Patriots. A lot of people would attribute the success of the New England Patriots to the players that are on the team. And that's partially true, in my opinion. Okay, we have a quarterback who's kind of like the leader of the team, you know, uh, He's the guy who throws the ball, okay, to the other players. It's a very special position to play. It's a very difficult position to play successfully. Um, those guys get brutalized, you know, throughout every season. And, you know, very seldom do players stay in the NFL past a certain age. And that age would probably be about 35 you know, maybe, maybe 38 or 40. Okay, but they usually retire before that because their bodies are literally destroyed, which is a separate issue altogether. But in the case of the New England Patriots, their quarterback, Tom Brady, has kind of surpassed all the other quarterbacks in NFL history. Okay, this has happened. It's currently happening as we speak. All right. Um, and, you know, he's mystifying all the talking heads. You know, people don't really quite know what to make of this man's performance on the field and his career at the age of 42. Okay. I mean, he's considered, you know, an old man by NFL standards. And I'll tell you what, folks, this guy can step out on the field and outperform any other quarterback in the NFL. I mean, uh, talk about mastery. Okay, I guess I can talk about Tom Brady because we are talking about a man, an athlete, who is participating in a sport that has a complete mastery over all of it. You know, how to handle the press, how to throw the ball, how to call plays, how to read other players, and what shoes to wear, how to cut his hair, you know, what to say, what not to say. I mean, this guy has a mastery of the whole thing. And as much as that is the case, I guess what I want to talk about really is this coach that he has, that the New England Patriots have, Bill Belichick. Okay, now he is one of only three head coaches in NFL history to win six titles, okay? Bill Belichick is widely considered to be one of the greatest coaches in NFL history by current and former players, by his peers, and even by the press, okay? He's considered to be one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. As far as I'm concerned, and as far as a lot of other people are concerned, there's no question about it. He is the best. And I guess that's up for debate. But what is not up for debate is the fact that this man has a total mastery of not only the game of football and the rules and regulations of football, okay, but he also has a mastery of 
the whole thing, the whole enchilada, how to draft players, how to talk to the press, how to deal with money, how to deal with budgets, how to hire coaching staff and all the other people that are involved in running a professional football team, right? I mean, this guy knows the whole deal, okay? And um, it fascinates me. It fascinates me. When you think about um, the bandwidth that this guy's brain must have to have such a mastery over so many facets, you know, so many aspects to this particular sport, you know, it's really kind of an amazing thing that we all have the opportunity to kind of observe in real time. You know, he's still going and this is still happening, you know, and whether you like football or not, or whether you like sports or not, is really immaterial to this discussion because we're not talking about just, you know, sports. We're talking about a person, a human being having a mastery over so many things that many of his peers don't even have a grasp of. Okay, he has risen above all the others. You know, he has emerged. It has happened and is happening. And it fascinates me. It fascinates me. My point is really ultimately that I think mastery of what we do is probably something that we should all strive for, right? That's my point. Like, I hope and I strive to be the Bill Belichick of whatever I'm doing, you know? And I don't know, I suppose I feel we should all strive for a mastery of what we're doing. And I think it's worth talking about and I think that it's worth thinking about. So there you go. I highly suggest to any and all who are listening to this podcast that if you get the opportunity and you feel so inclined, tune into a New England Patriots football game and just watch how things are done. You know, watch what they do. Watch the calls and the leadership of this coach, Bill Belichick. I mean, it's just simply amazing. And, you know, there's a lot of people who, like I said before, they they attribute the success of the New England Patriots to the players. And yes, they are certainly part of the equation. Okay, but I guess it's my contention, okay, that really what the success of the Patriots is based on is their coaching. And I think that over time, you know, we're going to see proof of that when we see a lot of these players that are playing on the Patriots right now, these championship top-notch athletes, you know, we're going to see them kind of fade away, you know, retire, go away, and they'll just be replaced by newer, younger guys who will be placed into this system that Bill Belichick has established over the past 20 years here in New England. And they'll just close ranks and keep going. You know what I mean? I, I, a lot of people say, oh, as soon as Tom Brady, this quarterback I was telling you about, as soon as he retires, it's all over for the Patriots. I don't think so. I don't think so. What we're going to see 
is a younger quarterback step up into the breach, right? Who has been through the Bill Belichick school of startup quarterbacks, just like Tom Brady was when he got started. And trust me, let me, I mean, this is a fact. When Tom Brady first started in the NFL playing for the New England Patriots, he wasn't really a standout player. You know, he wasn't picked because he was great. He was picked because he had some kinds of things that Bill Belichick knew to look for in a quarterback. And over the course of time, you know, training and practice and all these things under the tutelage of Bill Belichick, you know, years later, Tom Brady emerges as the greatest of all time. That's what they're calling him, the greatest of all time. Not just the greatest football quarterback of all time, but possibly the greatest football player of all time, or possibly even the greatest athlete ever. Okay, I mean, it's really an astounding story, but even as great as that is, it's not just about Tom Brady. I think it's really about coaching. It's about this other guy who's at the top of the heap, who calls the shots, who knows how to pick them, you know? And he's got a complete and total mastery of this thing we call football. So we'll see what the future holds for the New England Patriots. But (laughs) if you ask me, they're a better team than they were last year. The coaching has just gotten better. I mean, every year there's refinement with their system. I mean, it's become known all over the NFL as the Patriots way. I mean, there's just a certain code of conduct that the Patriots team has because of Bill Belichick, because he knows how to do that. He knows how the team should present themselves, not just on the field, but in the locker room or when they're being interviewed or when they're out in public. There's a code of ethics that the Patriots follow. No matter how famous they get, no matter how successful of an athlete they are, no matter how many Super Bowls they win, they keep their mouths shut. They don't brag. They don't talk about how great they are. It's always this tone of humility because that's the way it is demanded of them by their head coach. And anything less than that will get these guys into trouble. I promise you, it's happened before where, you know, some superstar player will make a big play. They'll be interviewing him and he'll start bragging about how great he is or how great the team is. And the next game, he's sitting on the bench because Bill Belichick has rules about what you can or cannot say to the public and how you can present this team to the public. Like when you go out into the public as a New England Patriot, you represent the entire team. So watch what you say, keep your mouth shut, and don't tell anybody about what goes on, the interpersonal workings of our organization here. You know, it's like, Yes, of course, that's how it should be handled. You know, it's an example to all the other teams. And trust me, okay, even though it's happening in a very slow way, the other teams are kind of starting to catch on, you know. And another thing that's cool about Bill Belichick that I really feel I need to talk about, okay, is there's this thing in the National Football League where they just fork out uber money for these players. I mean, we're talking like, you know, in the NFL, it's not unusual for a player to get $15 million a year. 
or you know, $30 million or some crazy numbers like that for playing a game, you know, for one year of work, right? But Bill Belichick doesn't play that way, you know? Like, if you are a young player, you know, being drafted into the NFL or you are a free agent in the NFL bound by no contracts, you can choose what team you go to. You don't go to the New England Patriots because you want to get the big payday. Because it's not going to happen. All of the players on the New England Patriots have a salary cap. There's only so much they can make. So you come to the New England Patriots, not for the big paycheck, right? You come for the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl and be on a championship team. That's a fact. And... That is a strategy designed by Bill Belichick, okay, um, and that functions on several levels at once, really. It accomplishes several things simultaneously. Like one, um, it changes what the incentive is for these players that are coming to the Patriots. Like it changes what their incentive is, right? Because it's not about money. It's about football. It's about playing the game and playing it right, playing it well. Uh-huh. And also, too, it kind of allows the team to have extra money to spend on new players, you know, better players. Um, I mean, you think about it, it makes complete and total sense. Like this idea that money can buy a great team. Eh, I don't know. I think it's kind of being proven to be a myth. That really what it's about, if you want to be a championship football team, you have to have the fundamentals. That's what it's about. You know, a mastery of the fundamentals. And I could be wrong. I don't know everything there is to know about football, but I'll tell you what. I think the future is bright for these guys. And I think that it's important for all people to pay attention to this story not because they like or dislike football or anything like that, but because here we have a living example of somebody who has a complete and total mastery of not just the game of football. Okay, we're talking about somebody who has a mastery over the whole damn thing, everything, all the way down to the shoes they wear and how the grass is cut on the football field. Bill Belichick has a mastery of all of it. All of it. He is the coach of coaches. Even amongst his peers, he is revered as different and better and possibly the greatest of all time. And I think that's something that we should all be striving for. Don't you? Okay, so I think it's time for a sip of coffee. What do you think, huh? I got uh, my coffee right here. I'm going to grab a sip. Oh, man. Mm -mm -mm. I got old black today, my A mug today. Probably why I'm having such a good podcast today. Feel a little bit fiery, you know? Uh... Anyway, so what do I want to cover next? I want to explain something to all my happy innovators that like to uh, listen to or watch the Singularity podcast on my YouTube channel. Okay. And um, 
I know there's been some confusion over the past few months with some of my happy innovators because they'll notice that I'm releasing my podcast on YouTube twice, right? Each episode is released two times, two separate versions, two separate videos on YouTube. And I'm going to explain that to you really quick because there is, you know, rhyme and reason to this. Okay. Um, A long time ago, uh, when I first started podcasting with uh, Snowflake 33, and then I ended that and I continued on with the Singularity podcast, right? Um, I was only releasing my podcast on YouTube and SoundCloud, okay? Because I was just getting started and I didn't think that it was worth, you know, you know, paying extra money every month for something that I was still kind of just trying to get my arms around. But... You know, over the course of that time, you know, I did manage to assemble a playlist of videos, you know, podcast videos on my YouTube channel. And, um, you know, you can go all the way back to the beginning and they're all there, you know, in order. And I've maintained that playlist and made sure that it was always accurate or tried to anyway. So um, probably about a year ago. Okay, which would probably be what the second year of the Singularity podcast. I then decided that I should probably upgrade to, you know, a podcast platform. So I did. I went to Podbean and Podbean is great because it's expanded my audience probably by 99 percent. And the uh, result has been great. But one of the downsides or one of the complications I've come across with Podbean is that when I release a podcast on Podbean, their algorithm will automatically generate a video for me and send it to my YouTube channel of my podcast, which is like cool, I guess, and everything, but it's not really a video. (laughs) It's like a still card video that is okay to serve its purpose, but I have, you know, been doing the Singularity podcast videos with my podcast for so long. You know, the video with the clouds and, you know, some pictures. It's not just a static shot of something. It's, you know, a video. It moves, you know. So if you are watching it, it's not completely boring, right? Well, you know, like I said, I've maintained that playlist. And um, ever since I've been working with Podbean with my podcast, you know, it's like I go ahead and I let Podbean generate that video for my YouTube channel. But then, you know, in my own time, I go back and I'll make a Singularity podcast video for that podcast. Okay. So each one of the podcasts that I've released over the past year has two videos on my YouTube channel. Okay. Um, And I'm just doing it that way because that's what I want. You know, I want uh, my YouTube playlist of Singularity podcasts that I make to exist, you know, just in case I ever stop going with Podbean, right? Um, that, uh, That list, that playlist of Singularity podcast videos and even the Snowflake 33 podcast videos will always be there. It'll be in the right order and it's available for my audience to enjoy. And for me sometimes, because I do sometimes go back and I'll listen, right? So I like it to be 
in order and all that kind of stuff. So that's what that's all about. If you were ever confused, like, oh, you know, I just saw that podcast that Mike put out, you know, spinning plates, uh, you know, a few days ago. And now I'm seeing it again. It's only because I'm making the video that I wanted to make and I have to release it on YouTube in order for it to be on my playlist. And, you know, so that's just the way that I've been doing it in case you wondered. All right. Now, you may remember that with the last podcast I released, I gave you a little bit of a surprise at the end, right? And I thought that was a pretty cool idea. Um, So much so, in fact, that I've decided today to give you another little bit of music to listen to. And um, I won't say too much about it right now. I'm just going to go right ahead and kind of like segue right into it, but... Uh, what I will say is this, that the song is entitled The War Drums of Peace, okay? And it was a piece of music that I originally recorded back in 2010, okay? Back in my old studio, right? And uh, it was part of a project that I had worked on. It was a track from this project I was working on called The Marion Circle Drum Brigade. And really basically what the premise was of the Marion Circle Drum Brigade was just my attempt to recreate like a drum corps, like a marching band drum corps uh, in my studio by myself. Okay, so, uh, you know, real quick, like the idea was, you know, I would play the snare drum, you know, 12 times. I would play the bass drum twice, you know, like mimicking the sonic dynamics of a drum line, but just by myself, you know, by multi-tracking the drums, right? And I released a five-song EP. It's still available on Creative Commons. It's still floating out there in the ether. But um, recently I had the idea, the inspiration to go back and snatch up one of those Marion Circle Drum Brigade tracks, in this case, the War Drums of Peace. And, uh, you know, revisit it with my new software, my new system, okay? And all the tricks that I've learned since 2010, just kind of give it like a facelift, give it an update, see what I come up with, right? Well, that's what you got right here. So uh, without further ado, here is the War Drums of Peace by Pipe Choir, originally done under the moniker of the Marion Circle Drum Brigade, recently revisited by me, Mike Bostwick of Pipe Choir. And uh, you can let me know what you think in the comments. Here we go. The War Drums of Peace by Pipe Choir, 2019.
Okay, so there you go, folks. What'd you think, huh? The War Drums of Peace by Pipe Choir. I know uh, it's a little bit of a departure from probably what you're used to hearing from me. Um, And it was a a bit of an extreme recording process. And um, you can tell that, you know, by the way I'm singing in that song that, you know, I'm not even really singing. I'm kind of (laughs) like screaming my head off, right? And... uh, You know, I was really trying to go for like that drill sergeant kind of thing, like that cadence kind of thing uh, to go along with those drums. But let me tell you something, a little bit of uh, information (laughs) willing to share with you on this one. Okay, Uh, when I was recording the vocal track for that song that you just heard, um, I was screaming so loud that I did permanent damage to my voice that I still haven't entirely recovered from. And that's no joke. I mean, I literally was singing so... Well, okay. I was screaming so loud and using my voice so incorrectly, okay, that, like I said, I mean, I... (laughs) I hurt myself. So there it is, all captured on permanent record, you know, and definitely, you know, that whole losing my voice thing. I mean, literally, I couldn't talk after I sang that song. I literally lost my voice for about five days, like because I just did so much damage screaming like that. And uh, uh, there was definitely an incentive in revisiting it, you know, like if I (laughs) had paid the price of losing my voice that long ago, you know, for a song that was, you know, relatively, you know, unnoticed, it probably would be a good candidate for me to snatch it up and give it a revisit, you know. So uh, I hope that you enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, you should probably be expecting some more of that stuff in the near future here on the Singularity podcast. So I hope that you liked it. I hope you liked the podcast, everybody. Have a great week. And until next time, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.